Thank you for tuning in to the G3 Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the G3 Project. Um, If you have been listening, you know we've been on a series, Scandal, How to Get Away with Sexuality. And um, as I listen through the series, um, we're going to bring in um, Sam Arbery, the author of Is God Anti-Gay. Um, it's a phenomenal book. I encourage you to read it only i think it's under 100 pages i read it on vacation um on the beach in mexico and i think under an hour it's very very easy read very thought-provoking um very challenging sam has an awesome story and working on getting him on the show we have some kinks to work out um trying to get the timing right because he's in the uk i'm on the east coast in, in the united states so Trying to get the timing right, but in the next few weeks, hopefully, we will have um, him as a guest to complete the series and talk about his book and talk about his own personal experience. I'm excited about having Sam on the show to close out that series. I I know this is supposed to be a weekly podcast, and we had two weeks off. I apologize about that as well. We were working on some things um, here with the Jude 3 Project, um, trying to get some kinks worked out. Um, so thank you for bearing with us, um, with that. So this week, I just want to talk about, um, thinking through the series, um, and thinking through what's going on with this whole Caitlyn Jenner thing. Um, my friends are like, you gotta say something, gotta say something. Little hesitant, um, to say anything about it. Um, cause it's just like, oh goodness. Um, it's a lot. Uh, my literally, when I saw it, I was like, oh, "Okay, that's a lot." That the picture just caught me off guard. I wasn't ready, um, but and you can't be ready for anything that comes on social media. It catches you off guard. It's it's how it goes. Um, so I I was like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna talk about it on June." I was supposed to talk about it last week, um, but yeah, I'm here this week talking about it. So forgive me for the delay. Um, obviously when I saw it, uh, uh, my, my breath was taken. Um, however you want to say breathtaking, um, that's up to you. But I, I definitely like paused for a moment. Um, and I was reading, it was so much commentary on social media. Everybody had an opinion. Um, it was extreme conservative opinions, extreme liberal positions to live your own truth. And if you have listened to, um, Jude three, um, you know that I have this thing, this pet peeve with this whole, um, phrase, live your truth. You could look at, listen to the first episode and listen to my episode with pastor Jonathan Bennett, um, where we discussed that, um, and you can hear my pet peeve with that whole live your own truth thing if everybody's living their own truth and there's no objective morality um and no objective truth how can society function over long periods of time if my truth conflicts your truth how do we decide what truth is i uh, that's i could go on forever on that but i'm not going to on this episode um you know i believe that i just want to state this at the beginning um (laughs) I believe that gender is not something that should be changed 
um, based on a person's feelings. I believe that God gave us our gender. And if if you're following the Rachel story with the uh, uh, chapter president for the NAACP, um, who has obviously said she is she is African American woman. However, her parents have said no, she's actually Caucasian American. Um, that both gender and race are given by God, and those two things are sacred. And we could debate whether. Society is hypocritical for saying accepting Caitlyn's gender and then not accepting Rachel's uh, um, racial um, identity. Um, But I don't want to go into that. I think, I mean, you could argue that they're the same um, and that people are being hypocritical. Um, I think there's a little bit, there could be a little bit of hypocrisy there in our culture. I think we always innocent blind um when we're talking about um ethical issues um when we're doing it apart from the scripture when we're just doing it on our own feelings sometimes we get have hypocritical standards um so i will say that but i don't want to compare and contrast those two things um i do when i was thinking through this one of the things that um really that I wanted to do was listen. I wanted to get the information because my presupposition going into this story before I heard anything was on, when transgender, my presupposition on transgender persons was that if, if, especially when I think of transgender, I don't, I know females can undergo surgery, but usually I'm thinking males turn into a female because it seems easier to cut something off than to add something on. Um, just that's just my thought out the gate so um, my thought was okay men who want undergo this change want to do it because they want to be with a man and have a, some sense of normalcy um, in the sense of a male and female relationship so that was almost my thought so it threw me off as I'm reading it through the John Hopkins study and I'm seeing that almost half of men who undergo this surgery aren't even attracted to men they're attracted to women and identify themselves as lesbians. It was just a lot to take in. So I was like, man, I really have misunderstood um, this thing. And especially when they're hearing different things about Bruce talking about his his struggle and how he's always felt like a woman and how he's never been attracted to men. And I'm like, what? That To me, it just didn't make sense. And, um, and I was like, well, I need to listen more. Um, it really challenged me to, hey, I want to have a conversation. And I, if I could have a conversation with Caitlyn Jenner, I would definitely have one apart from lights, camera, action. Uh, I just want to hear her heart, want to hear her story uh, from start to finish. Um, not necessarily the story that was with Diane Sawyer, but just the whole story apart from the, like I said, lights, camera, action. I want to talk to her, want to know what, what in her mind gender is um and does she believe it's sacred and given by god what is her relationship to god um what how does she feel about authority of scripture those are the questions i want to ask and um something that came to mind was incarnational apologetics 
And I was introduced to the term incarnational apologetics um, last summer while reading a book for my um, for one of my courses um, in seminary. And honestly, it was actually only a, the first chapter of this book we were reading on new religions and cults. And this chapter was so like powerful. I felt felt like it revolutionized my whole life and my whole approach to apologetics. And one of the quotes in the book, um, when it talked about um, incarnational apologetics says, if we are to communicate with effectiveness, effectiveness, we must be involved with those whom we desire to communicate. Personal and cultural environment involvement requires time, effort, and energy to continually gain understanding of those around us. In-depth relationship is the first step in developing an incarnational ministry. And as I read those words, I was thinking like, um, as much time as we devote to defending the truth or correcting people's behavior, um, how much time do we devote to building relationships and understanding people as an as apologists, as those who are called to defend the faith? Are we spending as much energy um, trying to read books, trying to, um, you know, acquire knowledge, spending time in school, debating things uh, as we do building relationships with people who are different? And, you know, I was really, I thought back to that as I'm thinking through the Caitlyn Jenner thing. Are we building relationships with people in transgender communities? Are we, are we building and really listening to their heart and understanding. Um, and those are the things that I was thinking through because I, you, we can't effectively communicate the gospel to a people group that we don't have a relationship with. Um, I know there's cold evangelism and, you know, going up to people, but in our day, I think relational evangelism, I think both work but relational evangelism in the case of people, transgender persons um, and those who are struggling with sexual identity and racial identity is important. I think that the relationships are going to be very important. And I think that caring for people, them knowing that you care, brings a whole different dynamic to what you're saying. Um, my Angelo said, don't tell me um, how much you know until I to, um, I know how much you care. Um, I think that's how it goes. But, but basically what she's saying is it, it matters. People want to know, before they know what you know, they want to know how much you care. I think that's, that's it. Um, they want to know how much you care. They want to know that you care about them before you try to change them. Um, and the Bible calls us to speak the truth in love. I always say that I believe a part of speaking the truth in love is being committed to the person's progress. You're speaking the truth to, um, no matter how difficult or how long it takes. I think that God works twofold. He works in us patience and endurance and grace. And then he works on the other person that we're attempting to help um, by helping challenge and transform their mind. Um, so it's twofold. 
both people are getting work going. God always, he could kill two birds with one stone. So while he's using us to minister to others, he's using them to transform us as well. Um, but I just want to challenge you, um, to build, build, build relationships with people who are different. Um, in this, in this day we live in, um, it's easy to sit behind social media and, you know, spit out what you have to say, your opinion. And then sometimes that's good, but other times it kind of creates a wall between you and I've experienced this, um, between who are you trying to reach? Um, I used to have this thing where I would always throw shots at the black church on my social media. Um, and I, sometimes I could still do it here and there, but, uh, one of my, my friends who I call a big sister, she checked me. She said, how are you ever going to really engage, um, the African-American church? If you're always, um, critiquing them on social media. And um, she checked me and she was like, I don't think that's the most effective way to communicate. And from then on, I thought twice about what I shared on social media concerning the black church and um, said that, shared that experience to say that sometimes social media creates a barrier in what you share between who you can potentially reach. Um, so be wise and cognizant of that. Um, in addition to that, though, when I was thinking through um, some things as it relates to um, how this is going to affect the church going forward, I begin to think about um, how culture has shifted. Um, if you look at um, same um same-sex married couples you see that most of them have a, a, a lot of them have children um they're married with children now the law allows it in in, in uh, many states and um they have a, a family they have mortgages some people work some people stay at home um what does that look like when a couple and a family comes to your church what what does that look like what how if they come and they say you know i want to know christ they get saved what are the steps they need to take do they are we saying you need divorce you need to split up this family um everything needs to be changed like how are what are the steps what is that going to look like and i know it's hard to think about but like five to ten years that's going to be the reality of a lot of people that come in the, the doors of the church like I, I don't think we're completely ready or thought through the implications of this and how detailed this is going to be and how complex this is going to be um going forward um a transgender person comes to know christ um and they want to please christ how how do they what what are our instructions how do we tell them to live um you know these are things that i mean salvation costs you something one of my friends was like well salvation costs you something so you know you just have to give things up and i and i definitely understand that i think that's that's an adequate response but how is that going to look 
practically um going forward and i i have a book called messy stuff in the church and there's case studies of messy stuff in the church um and there wasn't there wasn't a case study for this and i think the church is 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 hard because i don't think we've really had to deal with this kind of complexity um not not in the history of america um and so it's going to be interesting going forward how we're going to deal with that how we're going to navigate through this um and i said to to one um, one pastor friend i think because we got divorced wrong we're seeing um it's like a domino effect like okay so what if the uh, a same-sex couple comes in and says well the bible says um yeah i understand the bible says you know we're living in sin but what about this married couple who's who both the both um people in this marriage are remarried and they didn't have a biblical precedence for divorce there was no infidelity there was no um death they just remarried because they got tired of the other person are they living in adultery if we take the words of jesus as literal as leviticus and romans 1 jesus said something about it paul said something about it so are they living in sin um it's just just sexual issues um marriage and remarriage issues divorce all of these i think are going to be um questions that arise as we're dealing with the next five or ten years of um church issues um and i just pray that god will give us the wisdom to navigate through these things i don't have the answers um i'm going to be working through some of these things asking my professors asking pastor friends that i have how are we going to work through this stuff going forward but that's what the g3 project is all about equipping us and defending the faith um one other thing I will add, I was I was watching something um, on YouTube. Um, there's a documentary coming out about the black church and sexuality. And Pastor John Faison was on there. Um, and he's a preacher in, um, out of Nashville, brilliant preacher. And he said, um, and they were talking about the homosexuality issue in the black church. And obviously homosexuality in the African-American community is still taboo in a lot of ways and in the African-American church as well. And he said, um, in the black church, when you're gifted, you get a pass. So the pastor will get up and preach on homosexuality from the pulpit, but won't say anything to the choir director who is obviously struggling with sexuality. Um, he'll address it from the pulpit, but never address the person who's actually dealing with it. And I thought that was interesting and very, very true. Um, if you are familiar with the black church as most of our listeners are um you'll know that um in in the in the music ministry of the african-american church there is a lot of sexual promiscuity in the african-american church period there's sexual promiscuity and i believe that i would say that sin grows in the dark so the more you suppress it and the more you hide something sin the more it grows the more you expose it um the more you're honest about it the more you're repentant the more it dies in your life. And so um, 
I think the the best way to kill sin is to repent of sin and to to expose sin and repent of it. Um, but the fastest way for sin to grow is to hide it. Um, and since we have not been we have not openly spoken with people, not just from the pulpit, but with people one on one about sexuality, then it has grown. Um, what I preach against and what I allow send two different messages. I can preach against something, but if I allow it, if I know what's going on and I allow it to continue, my actions, what I've allowed has spoken um, louder than my words. Um, There's a saying that somebody said, you, your actions are speaking so loudly, I can't hear your words. And so in the African-American church, what we've allowed to go on has silenced our voice in the pulpits because we allow it what we say from the pulpit falls on deaf ears and until what we say in the pulpit matches um the disciplinary actions or not necessarily i won't say disciplinary actions and until they match our private address and how we deal with people then we have missed um god's um we have missed, uh, we have missed what God has called us to do, um, which is to disciple, to shepherd, um, as those who hold the office of pastor, shepherd, leader, bishop, um, elder, um, of the church. So I just want to challenge you on those things. Um, and my friend was out in with this, a, a friend of mine was telling the story of, they told their pastor, you know, pastor struggling with sexuality, struggling with this. And they were a leader in the church and their pastor said, okay, cool. Um, you know, I'll be praying for you. Months later, I said, Hey, did your pastor talk to you about that? No, never said a word. And it bothered me so because they were, they were also a leader in the church. And so it would seem to me that if you cared about your, the people that, that lead your people, that you would check on them to make sure they're good because they're leading others. Um, but in the church culture, sometimes we get caught up in the fact that people are gifted that we don't deal with the person's need and you have to care more about people than you care about their gift it's not about the songs they could sing it's not about the instruments they could play it's not about how well they could preach it's about their character and their um their obedience to god and whether they're in the will of god and and we as leaders must care more about that than their giftedness um, because we send a message that they don't have value outside of their gift. And that's a dangerous message to send to those who are struggling with sin. And so obviously we all are struggling with sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But um, 
we must, there's a difference. I always say there's a difference between struggle and surrender. Um, if you're struggling with sin, you're, you, you win some battles, you lose some battles, you know, struggle. Surrender is I'm just going to do this. This is just what I've decided I'm going to do. So, you know, you have to check, hey, say, am I really struggling or have I surrendered to this thing? The, those are two different things. Um, and I know I've said a lot in this 25 minutes. Um, it's kind of me rambling, but these are just some of my thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner on Rachel on um, just the black church and what we're going to have to filter through. But I'm encouraged to know that where sin abounds, grace that much more abounds and the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. So um, check out the Jude three project series on scandal, um, how to get away with sexuality, where we dive into specifics about whether um, um, homosexuality is indeed a sin biblically what the science say what does the bible say um how culture and the media is trying to normalize a liberated sexual expression um check that out and and also um check out sam's book as well um i think it's it's phenomenal um again it's got anti-gay um definitely check that out it's a, a small read um you could check out all our old um episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast um you can find out more information about the jude 3 project at jude3project.com you can follow us on twitter at jude3project on instagram at jude3project and on facebook at facebook.com backslash jude3project until next week remember to know what you believe and know why you believe it